Welcome to Codecast. We're a podcast that focuses on everything tech, and we give you an idea of what developers, startups, and creatives are up to in Zambia and across Africa. Every two weeks, we explore different topics and applications of technology in the real world. Every episode is brought to you by Agora Code Community. For more information, visit agoracode.community or follow us on Twitter at Code Agora. Hi, my name is Bumba Siamalove. I'm the project officer at the British Council, and you're listening to Codecast. <laughs> I missed you quite a lot, actually. You have no idea how empty and alone we've been on this uh, on this podcast journey in 2020. I'm just sad the gift did not even reach out. You did miss my love, right? Eh? Mm-hmm. You did miss me. <laughs> He's whispering because we've already started recording. <laughs> anyway, for everybody that doesn't know, we have a sound engineer in the studio always, whenever recording. His name is Gift. Hi, Gift. Is waving. Is <laughs> waving. You know how our recording starts in here. They are. They're always abrupt, unplanned, unscripted. That's a good one. Me coming back. Welcome back. Thanks. How was the Christmas holiday? That's great. Did you get Christmas gifts? Oh no, I wish I did, but you know, I've passed that age of getting Christmas gifts. Okay. Because I discovered Santa is. Uh, you know what? You should tell that to my girlfriend. <laughs> She, she, she's hell-bent on having Christmas every year. And there should be gifts. And we should tell everybody that Santa exists. I just want to know, like, is there a threshold? At what age do we start telling these kids that Santa doesn't exist? Because I once told my little cousin, she was eight at the time, that Santa doesn't exist. The little girl cried. Cried, I don't know, cats and dogs raining tears. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Back to how you're raising that particular child, I guess. Keep telling them as soon as possible, like at five, maybe. Like, yeah. Do you know what my problem is with Christmas in Africa? Yeah. I can't speak for other countries, I'm gonna speak for my household. Christmas is like this trick we use to tell or teach kids about uh, being nice and the spirit of giving, right? Yeah. It's like we're using this construct to teach these very important core skills, yeah. and these people only ever really appreciate them at the end of the year. They can't separate. They can't separate those skills from or those those character traits from Christmas. It's like yeah. they go hand in hand. I don't like that. Yeah, that's a good point, though. So, if you have any thoughts about that, or uh, you know, you want you want to tell me why we do this, and maybe I can change my mind. Feel free to send us a voice message. We're still advocating for voice messages. We've never received one willingly. Ever since we started. Are you playing it when you receive it? Uh, well, if we podcast. actually received one, we'd play it in the next podcast. Like, okay. we'd, like, yes, play this before we start the episode or whenever. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Cynthia, this is your your cue. You need to speak so that the fans. No, it's because I have received some, but they're too personal. <laughs> <laughs> this is not fair. Okay, maybe let me rephrase. We have a website and we have a place where you can send your voice messages to Codecast. About Codecast. Oh, Cynthia, are you going to spill the tea? Are you going to spill the tea? This, 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 there's something here. What is it? I am not spilling. Last time I spilled, let's just say, it went... Um... Yes, we talked about it on the show. 
and we don't know we don't have an idea what happened to you afterwards we don't know if the person reached out and hello well she did good pals now oh great ibrahim yes yeah okay what happened i'll let her tell the story well um well actually i never knew that i had a bunch of fans but um yeah so he had listened to the podcast and it so happened that i was going for a conference in nigeria and lagos and he was there and i got hugged yes <laughs> I'm because he finally met the person he only listened to via the Yes, that's the whole tea. <laughs> anyway, there's a strange voice in the studio today. Um, I'll let him introduce himself, and then he's going to tell us a little bit about him, and then we'll get into the show. Okay, cool. Uh, my name is Bumba Siamalube. Uh, I work for the British Council as a project officer there. Um, most of my friends call me B, so that's better because my name is uh, Marty, it's hard to pronounce. It'll be good, uh, it's good enough. Uh, I work for the British Council uh, as a project officer. And the British Council is a official cultural relations organization for the UK uh, for education opportunities and cultural relations. So what we do is build friendly knowledge and understanding between people in the UK and people in Zambia specifically here. Mm-hmm. And we work in over 100 countries. Uh, we work in the arts uh, where we try promote the arts sector in the sense that uh, a lot of, for example, in Zambia here, the arts sector is still growing and a lot mm, of people yeah. do not see it as a, as a, a full-time career path. Most artists are usually doing it part-time. I have a yeah. job, then uh, you know, I, I do some artwork. We're doing the podcast <laughs> part-time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to support uh, that environment where people are free and the opportunities around that are able to support an artist to take up uh, being an artist full-time. So we do that by, uh, through partners, so we do not do uh, the work ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our uh, the fact that we uh, try to build friendly knowledge and understanding, it's not us imposing the UK values or how things are done there, but sharing the good practice that is that is there, the Zambian market, the Zambian sector. Because if you look at hubs in the UK, a pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. There are cities around, or there are towns where, or areas rather, I should say, where, let's say, a building uh, was abandoned and artists took it up. But the work that is going on around there is building, uh, is bringing other firms around because I think they're attracted to an environment where there's a lot of young people, there's a lot of creativity going on, there's a lot of resources you can tap from because a lot of yeah. young people working in free spaces are developing new and uh, better items. So we try to sort of build that sort of narrative or that sort of idea around inside and support it. And how we do that is we work through our partners and uh, try to see what is going on, then how do we support whatever is going on without changing it or without influencing it. Uh, we also work in um, education and society. Mm-hmm. And our work there mostly is uh, professional development for teachers under a program called Connecting Classrooms. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, as the name says, Connecting Classrooms, it's about connecting classrooms in Zambia and in the UK. And the idea around it is uh, how do we share knowledge and how do we build global citizens? And how we do that is uh, through professional development for teachers. So teachers are, are trained in certain skills like child protection, how to safeguard themselves against any form of... Uh, Maybe a teacher can be accused as well by a child wrongly. So how then do they protect themselves? As well yeah. as then how do they protect the children? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, children come from different backgrounds. Some of them have been through different experiences. So having that environment where there's a lot of uh, children with different backgrounds, how then do you manage that as a teacher? Uh, communication and collaboration is uh, another training. Uh, creativity and imagination, critical thinking and problem solving. 
uh, digital literacy and many others that we uh, we support or we teach uh, the teachers on. Uh, then there's another aspect of the same connecting classrooms program is where we partner schools in Zambia and the UK. Yeah. And the idea is we get us, let's say, a school in Lusaka, uh, then we partner with a school in Wales uh, or any other country in the UK. And the idea is they share resources and good practice as well as partner on projects. So we, they partner on projects, then we facilitate some travel grants where we have some UK teachers come to Zambia and some Zambian teachers go to the UK for them to share and you know learn from each other. And, and what we've seen over the years is that it's quite imp- impressive and interesting the fact that a lot of teachers... Uh, in the UK, I've learned a lot in Zambia. I think example I gave was, uh, or usually given, is a lot of teachers thought, or the program people perceive it saying, it's mostly obvious the, the, the Zambian teachers learning more from the UK teachers. But you'd be surprised that a lot of teachers in the UK, uh, from the UK learn a lot from Zambian teachers. Because in most Zambian schools, you find you have a, an average uh, of, let's say, 50 or 60 pupils in certain instances, or 40, uh, and one teacher is managing the whole class, and that's the whole day for that. Well, of course, there have been some changes where teachers are taking different subjects, even for primary school, but still, it's one teacher against 50 pupils. Yeah. But in the UK, you, uh, you find on average, maybe you have 20 pupils in a class, and you have a teacher and uh, an assistant teacher. So then how do you manage 40 pupils in a class alone? What resources are you using? You, don't, you find maybe they have, you have 20 books against 50 so then how do you manage and how do you ensure that there's that environment where everybody learns? So having such a skill is something that a lot of UK teachers, I think, are finding very useful. How you utilize resources around you, things like plastic bottles, how you teach recycling, uh, climate change using uh, your environment. Mm-hmm. And utilizing that uh, in teaching is something that I think has been one of the successes of Connecting Classrooms. Okay, that's, that's really, really dope. And I know that... Um Connecting Classrooms is part of the reason why we're actually sitting here today. We were having conversations around um, some of the um, skills that developers would like to have in 2020, yeah. some of the things they'd like to hear about. And we did have a couple of people interested in uh, things around you know, critical thinking, um, what kind of uh, methods they can use to communicate with each other and so on and so forth. And it was really, really interesting. And I really like the concept of yeah. connecting classrooms. I don't know if you've taken a look at it, Cynthia, but it's really interesting. Uh, what caught my eye was the digital hubs that you guys were doing. Yeah, uh, That's something that I'm really interested in because for a long time, we've been talking about how we do a lot of work, we do a lot of community work within Lusaka. Yeah. But we don't have enough programs outside Lusaka, for example. And that was a model that was in, I think that's more than 10 locations, right? And these lo- yeah. most of these locations are outside Lusaka. Yeah. So like, how did it work? Are there any lessons we can learn from that kind of model and see how we can try and get more people outside Lusaka to benefit from the meetups that we do, uh, even things like just the conference, you know, it's in Lusaka, but if do we have programs in between the conference that allow other people to participate as well, instead of having to travel? Okay, so uh, currently we, we put a hold on um, supporting digital hubs, okay. but the idea behind it was uh, we'll open a, we'll go to a school, partner with MTN as British Council, then we would uh, donate computers to the school, okay. then train one or two teachers from the school as digital ambassadors, then we, we sort of create that environment that allows people to uh, have some digital skills. Uh, 
so that's how it was structured. And the idea was we'd use uh, online resources in, on a website called Schools Online. Okay. It's a global, uh, supported by the British Council, a global uh, platform where students as well as teachers can find resources. Uh, new materials on how to, to teach in different uh, teaching styles as well as pupils in terms of just reading material uh, was available to them there. So that was the structure around it. Okay. Um, okay. What 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 we found to be very important or to have the most impact is um, is uh, school leadership. Okay. And the idea behind it is, as long as there's no leadership in a school, there'll be no learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so school leadership, uh, according to studies, uh, indicates that it's a second thing that supports students in class other than learning. So for a, a child to perform very well, other than a teacher teaching in class, the thing that influences them performing very well is uh, school leadership. So it's about uh, how is the school, uh, how is a, a leader in a school creating that environment that allows the students to learn. Okay. So after Denton find that gap and uh, the impact that school leadership has, we trained uh, every school, uh, school leaders in Lusaka, that in terms that is the head teacher as well as heads of department, head teacher, uh, the vice uh, head teacher as well as well as the the school uh, management. We trained all of them in Osaka, and we're now going to Luapula. And the idea is, we want to help our teachers, our school leaders rather, yeah. understand how to create that environment as well as allowing them to share resources among themselves as well as good practice. Because find certain schools are performing very well. Same in Lusaka, other schools are uh, performing very badly. So how then, how is this school doing it better than the other school? So how do the teachers and the head head teachers, as well as the leaders in schools, share resources and good practice? Then also, how are they utilizing resources that they have more effectively? And because you might find certain instances where funding from government for books and other things in schools might not be coming in very often, but how is the leader managing that school effectively that despite not receiving resources, from maybe the government, they're able to run the school and people are able to learn. So two case studies I can give was one at Kaplonga Boys. Okay. They're now, I think they're producing almost a, a hundred or something in the hundreds, boxes of tomatoes every week no. that they sell. Yes, and they make money from that and that helps support the school. So that helps support the school in and um, actually uh, raising funds that also helps the school run more effectively. So it's about that lead, a leader looking out of the box to say, I have land here, it's bare land, what do I do with it? Yeah. Another teacher will just sit down and say, you know what, punish the kids, just slash the, yeah. <laughs> the grass outside, then you're done with it. We used to call it playing golf. Uh, <laughs> no, I called it punishment. <laughs> well, I mean, it was punishment, but you know, to, to make yourselves feel a bit better. You do you see my hands? Golf. They're very soft. <laughs> Did you ever slash this? No, I, What did you do? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, 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 no. Manual labor? No, no, that's not uh, something that I... I cherish. Was the kind of student who really got punished. No, I think he was just smart enough to get away with Uh, it. (laughs) Well, it's uh, I won't say anything, but for all the kids out there, I was a very um, you escaped punishment. No, I was not problematic. I don't believe that honestly. I followed the rules. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So this was. 
to use the Musaka was it a mixture of private and government or it was one of the two? No, just strictly government schools and strictly. yeah, and the idea around is most private schools are well funded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have different structures because you find in a in a private school you have um, you have you have there are a lot a lot more roles that are have been broken down. So you find there's someone in charge of school administration. Yeah. More specifically, but in most government schools you find the head teacher is the one who's responsible for almost everything in terms of managing everything in, in class. And what we we we, we realized was the fact that most head teachers we are spending the times in the uh, the whole day in the office, mm-hmm. not knowing what's going on in classrooms. Yeah. They, they, they couldn't support the pupil ultimately and how to improve that environment for that pupil because all they get is second-hand information from a teacher. Mm-hmm. So what our program tries to do also is to allow the, the head teacher as a leader of the school to spend less time in his office but in classes actually. So sometimes teaching, so we encourage them to actually go to class and teach so they understand the, the, the challenges that the teachers go through as well as the, the relationship between the teachers and the pupils so that they can actually ultimately make decisions that impacts the, the, the pupils and not just sit behind the closed doors and not understanding what goes on in schools. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's a very robust, I think, training. Um, it's been very much welcomed by the Ministry of Education. Uh, they co-funded it uh, for the Connecting Classrooms 3 program we had mm-hmm. in training the 200 uh, school head teachers that we, uh, school leaders rather, that we, we had in Osaka. And Lapula Province is also doing the same and we're hoping to train the whole lot of Lapula as well. Mm-hmm. And just looking at how impactful this uh, school leadership is, Lusaka was one of the was not performing very well. It was I think number eight and number seven uh, out of the ten provinces that we have in terms of performance. And Lusaka has the most well developed schools. I can I can guess why uh. we are lax because <laughs> we feel like we've got everything in Lusaka and we sure. don't need to put as much work into yeah. something as everybody else. Was I am I right to some degree? Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. People appreciate this stuff. Like, um, have you ever seen, you've seen it in community work. Like, whenever you go somewhere, when you go to a place where um, they don't, they've never seen technology, they've seen it or maybe never had a chance to interact with When you give them yeah. that opportunity to do that, they're excited and they do more with it than someone that's maybe grown up around yeah. that kind of environment. Yeah, true. I do agree with you. And I think that was, uh, that's one of the things that we identified. Uh, I think most leaders in Lusaka were a bit more relaxed because you find, uh, Another example I gave of how impactful school leadership was is in Katete. There was a school leader who went around the community, um, helped the community understand to say, I'm not raising or I'm not just helping pupils in school as a head teacher, but I'm building leaders of the community. Then how do you support me into ensuring that all our children in this community actually learn not just in school, but out of school as well? How do we build community, community leaders? And he helped, was able to uh, get resources from uh, the community in terms of... Uh, they, the school managed to buy raise funds to buy cement, but the local community people would come to the school, donate bent bricks, or just work around the school to build mm-hmm, blocks. Mm-hmm. And the whole community came together and built, I think, about three to four classrooms, uh, classroom, uh, new classroom uh, blocks for the school. Yeah. And this is out of the initiative of a teacher. But you never find initiatives like this in Osaka. You know what? Uh, going back to what we we're just from talking about in terms of people being relaxed here, you know, it brings me back to. Uh, and I think we'll tackle critical thinking after this. Yeah. Like for us, in terms of community building, um, we, I don't know about Devsi, but for Agora Code, for example, one of the biggest challenges we had was motivating people to come for events yeah. and to get them to be consistent in terms of being part of a community, whether it's in a physical space or it's in an online space, for example. And I think we had a meetup once where we had predominantly um, young kids 
like people in high school and primary school that came through. And I think I remember Cynthia emphasizing something about you're given opportunities, right? Yeah. You, no one's going to take you the full, like, 100 yards. Yeah. Like, you will get you to a certain point, but it's up to you to use what you're given to then, you know, Make go the, the rest of the way and all that sort of thing. And then you're given the tools, the resources. You guys run a great program where people can get scholarships and do, like, all these uh, certification programs. There's these Andela fellowships that are there that are open for everybody to participate in and so on and so forth. So what is what is the biggest challenge? Why aren't people taking these opportunities and grabbing them with both hands and looking at the value that they provide? Okay. Uh, I think well, it's, it's an open question. No, even you, Cynthia. <laughs> no, no, I'll let you start. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay. Damn. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Okay, that, I think that's a good question. Um, I'll look at it from two uh, angles. Uh, one part is, I think, as, as, as we said earlier, one, when you were a bit more privileged, you, you're a bit more relaxed. So uh, despite you ha- creating those opportunities, a lot of people do not see the value. Like, let's say, for example, uh, how the, the ministry, uh, for example, British Council might bring actual financial resources to a program. But other partners might not want to jump on the program if they don't have financial resources, not uh, realizing the fact that they have other resources mm-hmm. with them. And what sort of benefits that come with those, despite not them being financial, mm-hmm. but maybe even just growing their networks. So a lot, I think last time uh, me and you had a chat, we also spoke about uh, volunteering. A lot yeah. of people do not volunteer if you don't get some form some, of pay. Some form of return. Yeah. Or if it's like community meetups, you're not getting a t-shirt, you're not getting stickers, <laughs> you won't show up for an event. Yeah. yeah. So I think people do not take up opportunities and run with them in most cases that whenever the financial uh, incentive ends or wherever someone is, someone's effort ends, you end there as well, not realizing of how much value you can build from there. Like people help you build a base, but you it's up to you to take up that base. And most people who have, who are a bit more comfortable, you know, I, I have a job or I have some, some of sort of finances, we rarely see opportunities where we can take whatever opportunity, no matter how little it is that has been given to us and make actually something bigger from there because we're a little bit more comfortable in whatever we have. So could it be that maybe we, we sort of have been raising or we have been raised, whichever it is, uh, to have this whole feel of I need to start big and not appreciating the, the, the small beginnings, the humble sure. beginnings. Yeah. And for me, I think the <laughs> the part that I have always hated is most people going Boma Ilanga Nepal. So, oh dear listeners, this means government should do something. Should do something. As much as we jokingly laugh about it, I feel it has really crippled our our society. Yeah. Well, I'm speaking for Zambia. That is, uh, in that you see a majority really. You, you find it's a community, they can see clearly that they don't have uh, good drainages, right? Yeah. But they'll call on to governments. Well, government will do its best, but eventually, I was impressed recently, I was passing through one of the roads uh, in Chilenje. Yeah. I saw these men uh, digging up, they were actually digging up uh, some furrows to allow water to pass better because it was going into their houses and whatnot. Yeah. And very few people actually take such initiative. They would rather cry out and say government is not coming to do drainages for us. But then if it's affecting you, 
you're you are the one to get up and do something and make it better i think that should be something that we need to teach the upcoming generations parents please (laughs) so that you know it's all about thinking outside the box yes i've been given a pen if the pen has run out of ink do i still have to hold on to the pen and wait for the very same person who gave me that pen to bring more ink or i should go look either for another pen or if it's the kind where you can do a refill i go and refill it yeah i think that's that's really some something that we need to start harnessing i think uh interesting part also i think um I think as we get to critical thinking problems, something something that we try to address in our program as well is in how how do you teach uh, uh, a lot, of, especially teachers. How do you help teachers teach in classes uh, the pupils how to be innovative, how to be creative, yeah. how to think outside the box, I mm-hmm. should say. How do you utilize the resources around you? How do you make the most of the little that you have? And how do you ensure that you understand the purpose of what you of the subjects that you're learning, and how do you apply them now in real life and not just uh, uh, look at things as academic, but how do you apply whatever you learn in school in life? How is it applicable? Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. What I haven't given my opinion no. on how we can solve this. Mm-hmm. Maybe or what is causing it? Ah, you know what? I have many theories, and some are not very uh, radio friendly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Give us the radio friendly one. Okay. Uh, I think for me, in terms of um. In terms of uh, our community organizations and where I feel like we're not, we're not, we're not doing enough, or people aren't doing enough to appreciate the kind. Of, I think it's there's a bit of a, a gap in terms of the skills we're trying to teach and how they can be applicable to uh, an individual person. Mm-hmm. I think people aren't seeing why you're having a React workshop, for example. Like it's we're not going beyond the the practice. It's like it's social. It's social. I don't know how. I can, it's social. We're just having fun. We're just having fun with this, yeah. and we focused on the fun a little too much, and we're forgetting about the practical, the, the actual practical skills we're giving that can give these guys an opportunity to go to the next level. And we're not doing enough of um, what's this thing we do like uh, in organizations where we highlight. There's a thing, success stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I know DevC started doing success stories at some point. But I don't know why it stopped. But there aren't enough success stories that are building uh, incentive for people to actually uh, take this to the next level. Not just look at the food that people are providing when you go for a meetup, and not just look at T-shirts or stickers. The the workshop itself should be an incentive for you. It's free. That should be the primary motivation for you coming and learning something. Hey, this is <laughs> feedback. <laughs> this, this, this is feedback. Okay, but I'm curious then. What sort of thing do you think we can do around? Um, how do we? Uh, I think we have a lot of creative people out there. Mm-hmm. But how then do we ensure that if you have a training or if you have a workshop or whatever that you're doing in your work is, how do we make sure that people understand to say, we're not here to, to give you a path of how do you make it or how do you start a how do you use this skill. But just give you that skill, and then how are you creative enough or innovative enough to apply it somewhere where it grows into a success story she can write about? Because most people, you, you sit in a workshop, let's say it's about uh, how do you uh, maximize the use of social media in whatever business that you're doing. You get the skills, then how are you creative enough to make the most of it? Maybe that's one, one, one aspect we don't address in workshops that we have. Mm-hmm. 
you find you get the skills and you know go out there figure it out on your own so is it something that people should try uh, develop on their own or maybe as uh, who are having such trainings is it also our responsibility to help people understand saying you need to bring something to the table as well where do we draw the line though yeah, you can't teach everybody everything huh? <laughs> <laughs> it to be a month a workshop skill, right mm. so the people who are, who are going to do the training will do their training and maybe yeah they could help in maybe highlighting some success stories or some areas that the skills they are teaching can be applied Okay. sort of like a pointer but in the end it it's up to the individual to work it out i don't think it, as a trainer or as a mentor or as, as a lecturer or a teacher you 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 really have enough time to you teach the skills then again you start running through that person on how they apply it yeah, true. so it, it, it's it's two ways the trainer will deliver the material maybe even point out how you can apply that particular skill but then it's up to the individual to take it up on there okay. it, I feel it would be quite unfair to say then the trainer should still go all the way like Cynthia now takes step two or can now step, step three that, that would be quite and, and this is where I really that's why I was really talking about the Connecting Classrooms project because like from what I understand you don't teach you you give people the uh, well how can i put it you give people a platform to yeah. use these skills not necessarily tell them like what they need to do exactly yeah, sure. so that's that, that's a really good model and i was i don't know like how does it work maybe we get into critical thinking now what yeah. is it how does it work how does it help people develop some of these i don't know uh, motivation look at things differently okay so uh broadly defined maybe critical thinking is uh self-directed thinking that produces new and innovative ideas and solves problems like real life problems this is like a general uh, uh, definition of what critical th- critical thinking problem solving is and it has three different stages is where you have uh reasoning where you ask why why am i learning why am i at school why am i doing this why are we here you you, you first of all understand why then from there you 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 judge you make uh decisions based on the, the reasons you've given yourself why you're doing that then from there how do you apply is it worth your time are you applying that to your life and how that is is that building value to you so i think the idea around the content classroom projects uh in teaching critical thinking problem solving is also to help teachers first of all understand what they're teaching why they're teaching it so they can also help the pupils in, in class understand why they're teaching things things like uh growing up most of us we were never taught why we were we're learning why the, there's a grasshopper that we spent two weeks learning about and we have to level but we just had to do it there was no one literally helping us understand the value of that mm. it as and it's a lot uh, not until recently there was no course focused on critical thinking and problem solving in our curriculum in Zambia but we it's not been introduced yet so and the idea around is to to challenge pupils first of all to understand why they're in class. Because if you're not interested in going to class and your mom just, you know, shoved you there, you'll not be very much interested in actually learning and applying the skills that you're getting. But if you understand why you're sitting there, the value of you being in class, you're more you're more invested in, in what you're learning. Yeah. So I think it's about helping people when they start in the first grade, understanding why they are in school, the value of it. So that at some point, at least 
they also understand society more broadly by because they'll be questioning everything because i think personally i'm a person who questions questions everything mm-hmm. uh, a lot of my religious friends don't like that <laughs> yeah like, just believe <laughs> it's written somewhere in a book but <laughs> oh, that's why and i think it's uh, it's an idea that i think we're trying to build in a lot of young people to ask why let them understand why they do things yeah. me asking why i was met with a, a mango branch <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's so critical thinking problem solving is a very interesting um, model of, uh, of dealing with things. We use different models uh, to also help uh, people to break it down so that it can be taught to someone in class. Uh, as to, is, for example, pupils in class uh, are maybe grouped uh, and they're, they're given, let's say, topics. Then maybe they also have to teach in class about those same topics so that they also feel valued and respected enough to be listened to. I think that helps them build confidence as well. So. Uh, the critical thinking problem solving training is not just focused on asking those basic questions as to why building reason but it's broad enough to consider the fact that you can you can you can critically think and most people usually make a mistake by saying critical thinking problem solving is about criticizing mm-hmm. it's not <laughs> and the idea is but you get why they would say that sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's about uh, it's way broader than just teaching critical thinking problems self solving itself it's also about building other social skills that a lot of people luck in terms of uh, how do you speak in front of people yeah uh-huh. you know where i feel like uh this could also come in handy the workplace yes oh, oh, um, I'm, I'm sure i think the way you look at <laughs> each other is like there's, there's something there <laughs> so uh, I, was, i was reading up something that has just like listed some of the, some like the, the like eight key points to critical thinking yeah and uh, can, can i just quickly read them out yeah sure go ahead. um so there's challenge or assumptions so maybe okay. if you have assumptions to something you have to challenge them and find actual data yeah uh suspending judgment so avoid judging something even before you you, you do your research and, mm-hmm. and find the facts then there's uh revising conclusions based on new evidence so if there was a particular initial conclusion that you made then you research and find this new evidence that is pointing to a different conclusion you add it up and get a, a new conclusion altogether emphasizing uh, data over beliefs mhm mhm <laughs> <laughs> this I one like. is uh, is like. problem yes. uh, then there's uh, the never ending testing of ideas so it should okay. be iterative, iterative yeah. yeah which is quite important um uh, well, especially for us also software developers because there's that whole iterative aspect when yes. you're designing and building uh, uh, systems, yeah. yeah. Then there's the, the perspective that mistakes are data. This I like because I feel some people think mistakes are to be avoided and, and closed off in a certain dark corner and never spoken about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the fact that mistakes are data meaning you have to actually learn from them and then build on then there's the earnest consideration of possibilities and ideas without always accepting them. You know, I feel like I can relate to all of that stuff. <laughs> uh, I've been on the bad side and the good sides quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I've been that person that doesn't want to change my mind because I like the, that a particular idea so mm-hmm. much and I would ignore the data. Uh, I've been the person that's not open-minded. Okay, that uh, is in this consideration of possibilities and ideas of that always accepting. I've been yeah. also the person that 
uh, believes their assumptions before doing any research and go straight <laughs> into developing something and then eventually find pitfalls and then realize if I did research, I was never going to face these problems. And the last one is actually looking out, looking for what others have missed. <laughs> no, it's very interesting because like, especially in the workplace, this is something that comes up quite a lot. When you're working as part of the team, yeah. you know, everyone's got a different idea around what they think is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you find yourself just so headstrong in believing that what you think is the right way of going about something. Yeah, and it's the only right way to do it that we overlook key um, uh, factors that may actually influence the outcome of a product or something like that. It's really, it's really interesting. Ah, I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah, it's, it's a big problem. Like even uh, Cynthia and I are part of many teams together, yep. which which is something we we have never appreciated, but we find ourselves in so many meetings together, oh, yeah. and we see this uh, happen quite a bit. Yeah, uh, quite a lot of times. So it's very interesting, and I. And and for me, I feel there's also this whole attitude when, like, especially the looking for what others have missed. If yeah. if you if you do air out something that you think the others are not looking out for, if you are making a decision, sometimes it comes up like you're being rebellious. Yeah. So there's also <laughs> that possibility that the others will arise against you, and yet you're just trying to really just critically think about the whole. But so, it speaks uh-huh. to something you guys spoke about, effective communication earlier on. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually about to <laughs> make that point as well. You have to literally yeah. help the other person also understand, saying, okay, I'm just... I'm no, I'm from trying, this, yeah, yeah, sure. from this angle. Because initially, you just, you just get the defensive. After I put in too much work in this, and all you want to do is just come punch holes. Yeah, yeah. just come punch holes. Yeah, and I guess sometimes it comes down to how we communicate some of these um, uh, loopholes that other people we believe other people may have missed, yeah. and also in the way these things are received. And also, what you mentioned about... Uh, mistakes being part of data it took me a while to understand that like um you you, you're always looking to be perfect you want your solution to have no problems at all and when someone points out a mistake it's like someone's telling you you're a failure like being able to separate those two those two is something that that i really feel like we have we have a lot of work to do especially in our in our context as a country in sub-Saharan mm. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> we see it quite a lot and it, yeah. it really jumps out. You know, yeah. people don't really know it, but it really does. Yeah, uh, just on that, uh, I remember something very interesting, a colleague of mine, uh, Farah, she's one of the regional arts, uh, uh, one of the managers uh, from uh, in the arts yeah. from Zimbabwe, a colleague of mine from British Council. She told me something very interesting. She's like, you should learn, if you're going to work effectively in a very big team, you should learn to separate your you're feeling yourself from your work. You're, you're not your work. So mm-hmm. when someone is criticizing your work sometimes, it is the work that is the person is criticizing and not, not you. you. So do not become defensive say, no, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. No, no, maybe you did something wrong. So try to let, let, hear out the person before you... Guys, I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, uh, this happened to me actually. Uh, no. It wasn't so... This was last year, like late last year. I think a friend of mine and I had... Um, we had a disagreement on how something was supposed to run. Yeah. And you know, in that argument, it felt, it wasn't even about the work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Other things are coming out. Uh, I, speaking to the choir, man. So I've got a question. Like, how do you teach creativity and imagination in the curriculum? Mm-hmm. 
Is, are these things you can learn? Yeah, I think can so. Can you learn to be creative? Yes. I always thought these are like talents, things you're born with that are just like in terms of the arts. Like yeah. you're either an artist or you're not. You cannot learn. I think uh, that's what we're trying to do uh, in terms of saying we're teaching creativity and imagination. It's not really to, to, to uh, teach art, any art form, but I think it's about creating that environment, also allowing someone to feel free. Because a lot of, uh, for example, you... It's about teaching someone to be a bit more diverse, to be free with themselves, to express mm. themselves as they feel. Uh, so it's it's about also not necessarily teaching a particular art form mm. or how someone how to do it, but yeah. also about creating that environment, also allowing someone to appreciate or look at things from different perspectives. Because I think we live in a sort of rigid society, so uh, that is also going, gets into academic life as well. You're supposed to learn the ones and twos, uh, but not broaden your view of things. So I think the idea around creativity and imagination is allowing someone to explore. You know, tell us a story about about how you feel. You know, it's it's about allowing someone to be free around who they are, which is not very allowed in our country. But yeah, close enough. Uh, we're trying. <laughs> well, we're getting there. Uh, hopefully, uh, we reach a point where people can express themselves and they're in an environment where there's no judgment. But do you think our society allows us to to look at things from different perspectives? I think there's a we have just. But we're a bit rigid, maybe. What do you think? Um, well, we're very rigid, but we are making progress. I think we are slowly creating spaces where people can can express themselves and have people listen to them openly before they um, they give out their opinions on how they feel things are supposed to be. I mean, it's not on. It's not cut across every every discussion. Okay. But I feel like we're slowly getting into a space where, as a young person who's also an entrepreneur, I, I can be in a room and say something that may be contrary to what you feel regarding a certain thing, and you should listen to me, and okay. we can have a constructive discussion around it. But okay. it's a lot of work. Yeah, I do agree. It's 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 really a lot of work, and I'm. <sighs> we'll get there. That's all I can say will get there, especially with issues around mental health and how right now we're still trying to get people to understand that it's not a it's not a Western problem, yeah, and so on and so forth. It's I, I, I'm I'm happy you brought up mental health because uh, we're also trying to d- develop a, a program under our arts work where we are uh, we are working in Zambia here. Our focal point is uh, Thaga. From Zone Farm, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the one who's like our focal point for Zambia. So we're getting different people from different countries, and the idea is to create a platform where they can use their art form and share resources, as well as be, uh, build some sensitization, sensitization around artists to, to so that they understand to say you have impact in, in, your, in the music that you make. And I, uh, the core idea around its mental health is something that we haven't spoken about a lot. There's a lot of discrimination around mental health. Especially uh, other things, in terms like depression, things that people like society, especially in rural areas or in areas where not where there's less development, people see it as you're just that. Come on, get over it, type of thing. They don't realize that it it can literally take a toll on somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea around it is just to raise uh, shine a light on it so that people can start talking about it. So basically, start having honest conversations hard to have <laughs> with very okay not very little reservation for <laughs> <there was feelings. laughs> but just tell it as it is in a in a way that they can 
still feel like they're in a safe space. Yeah, fair enough. Hmm. Interesting. So, how do you do this communication? What is the right way? Because hmm. I honestly feel like I've been in too many situations where I feel like I'm communicating something, but it's it really comes out differently from someone who's, some, someone who's actually listening to you. Too often, it's, it's happened. I think that, that's happened to me as well a number of times. I think maybe it's about looking at things from different perspectives. I, I think understanding someone who uh, someone you're talking to. So, for example, let's say me and you are having a conversation. I think if I, if there's something that uh, to be easier for me to communicate to you because I think I have some background of who you are, mm-hmm. so I know how to approach or talk about uh, have a conversation with you around around something. Mm-hmm. But if I do not understand you to some extent, I might not understand your background, where you come from, your beliefs. So it might be harder for me to communicate. I might make a simple mistake. Uh, something as simple as maybe saying something about you or complimenting something about you that you find uncomfortable. And just from there, you become defensive. So everything that I say, you're receiving it with uh, some sort of criticism to it. Thinking maybe it's not well-intentioned, that type of thing. So maybe it's about understanding and having that environment and that space with somebody where you feel a bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think from there you can effectively communicate. That's mm-hmm. why you can, you can offend a lot of people unwillingly. And sometimes you might be saying things that are well-intentioned, but they just come out wrong. Yeah, that is true. And I guess that's happened to me quite a lot. It reminds me of, because um, we usually have opportunities to work like in remote teams. Yeah. And uh, while I've never worked remotely before, I've had the chance to collaborate with people across time zones. Uh, and it's not always the easiest, easiest, especially when you can't see the person that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing their facial expressions really. And <sighs> you don't know their culture also. Yeah, true. It becomes a little bit tricky. Another aspect, I think it's something that you learn, uh, effective communication, something that constantly evolves, I think, also. Yeah. Well, for me, I think it, it, it has evolved, and luckily, I've, for my for my employer, they they had someone run us through on how you do communication effectively. Mm-hmm. I can't remember any of the order it is in, but for the initials, that is, but I remember the steps. So if, if you're about to communicate something critical or very important with someone, um, firstly, you give a brief background of the scenario. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if Mukuma did something that I feel is not right, <laughs> I would go and tell Mukuma to say, remember on this day, this day you were presenting ABCD and ABCD. When I give the scenario to remind him the scenario, then I go further. The next step is me giving him the impact of what he did to say, yeah. oh, did you notice that maybe in the audience there was somebody who behaved like this, maybe due to the statement that you made? And so it's more first I could start with the positive impact, then I bring in also the negative impact, you know, like smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then the next step is to suggest to say, don't you feel maybe next time you are presenting on this area, you, you try maybe to avoid to say such statements and maybe you construct them this way. I feel that way you are sort of avoiding somebody going straight into this defensive mode and then eventually they don't listen. Mm-hmm. That's something for me. Okay. No, I'm 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 taking it all in, cause I'm hoping I can learn a few things as I'm about to get into this week. I need to do a lot of effective communication. That's I said before. All the best, ma. Thank you very much. I'll keep you updated, and I'll let you know when we're here again what happened okay. on my quest. Ah, okay. Like I'm about to at the end. 
announce something that I managed to do last week. Why do, why do I feel like I don't know what this is? No, you actually don't know. I announced it on, on one of the episodes to say the entire of 2019, I would not cut my hair. And uh, yeah, the audience, our listeners cannot see my hair, but I've got a huge puff of afro. I did not cut my hair in 2019. And in solidarity, I also didn't cut my hair the last four months. I have issues with that. No, but it's in solidarity. It's, it's to support you. <laughs> no, that was separate from my goals. No, no, no. Same thing, Cynthia. Come on. I'm on your team here. (laughs) Anyway, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Do you want to know something else we've managed to do in 2020? Launch another show. Yay! I know. Daniel's show. Daniel's show. And uh, if if no one has listened to it yet, we'll post links in the description because... Uh, at the time of this recording, we dropped the episode on a Friday, and today is a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's been two days of awesome feedback. I'm so I'm here to listen to it. Why haven't you listened to it? I sent you. I sent you a link personally. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it. It's been a long weekend. <laughs> <laughs> long weekend indeed. Trying to unwind and catch up. Ah, you know what? This is an important segue. Huh? How do you spend your weekend? Like what? What? brings you peace what like what takes you away from the work environment because you yeah. have a life outside work yeah, you yeah. are not your work like okay. what's your import what's your what's your chill thing that what's your zen moment okay um so i get up for i get up for i think around one on friday mm-hmm. uh i go back home trying to catch up on uh some schoolwork you said you get off what time oh, one on uh, 13 yeah <laughs> okay, continue. Yeah, so I, I go back home, catch up on some schoolwork. Uh, then maybe later on a Friday, meet up with a few friends. Saturday, a uh, few errands. That is things I've been pushing back the whole week. I think I try to catch up on that. Then Sunday is my family time. I try to catch up with family, mm-hmm. mostly home. I usually go pick up my nephews and nieces and bring them home to grandma's house, mm-hmm. make a few noise, break a few things, and I take them back. <laughs> I it think that helps me bond. Break a few things. Thing. Ah. <laughs> I think she's used to it to some extent. Actually, like, they ma- tend to miss it when the yeah. bambinos are not around. Because my, my mom... that uh, Who pays for this breakage? The, well, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, the thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she didn't get very much upset. Uh, and Cynthia, what's your, what's, what's your pastime? What's your favorite pastime over the weekend? Apart from taking the boys for their haircut. Oh, no, the boys... Uh, so I'm not with the boys now. <laughs> okay. It's uh, no more taking. That's somebody else's responsibility. That's my brother's responsibility now. He takes them to the barber shop as he's going to the barber shop. I hope he's doing a good job at making sure they're cutting that hair and not pretending to cut the hair and it comes back looking the same. Well, this is like a long topic anyway. So these days, what I, I think, Kumo, there's some, 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 something for you in there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so these days well I'm trying to revamp but not trying I intend to revamp me going to the gym yeah uh, I've been doing lots of reading I've been spending time with family but well of late I think I've been really doing my my study materials because I'm, I'm really trying to get into artificial intelligence stuff so I've been doing the deep learning 
uh, material that is being offered by Facebook on a scholarship. So congratulations, by the way. I don't think I quite congratulated you officially. Thank you. You're welcome. What about you, Kumar? How is the weekend looking? Uh, so my favorite pastime over the weekend when I'm not moving around for any community activities or don't have any extra meetings. My couch is the fa- my favorite place with my remote in the hands. Netflix. I've been watching a really dope show lately. It's really, really nice. I'll tell you after, after you know what no, I mean. No, 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 no. I don't want to tell anyone else. I, I'm, to know I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. So I need to tell you guys in private. Chick flick stuff, no? Maybe. I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. You can, yeah, you can share, man. What? No, don't side. get me wrong. I'm in touch with my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in touch with my emotions, but this particular one, I'm not sharing just yet. When's the last time you cried watching a movie? Hold up. Yeah, you said you're in touch with your emotions. Let's, let's hear. I'm also curious to find out what you were watching. I was re-watching... Um, what's the name of this movie? The one about uh, like some civil war. I think that was in Sierra Leone. I don't, I'm really terrible at actors' names. I'm really, really terrible. Yes, I. Hold up. Let me just look through. Like well, this won't even take time. No problem. But this movie is so sad. Every time it gets me. It's like um, uh, when, whenever I watch Blood Diamond or whenever I watch Black Hawk Down. Like, yeah. <sighs> so emotional. Okay, continue. Let's 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 go back into our actual conversation for the episode. Cynthia, what's your favorite tool for collaboration and communication? While I'm looking for this thing. For collaboration. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I don't have a choice when it comes to code bases. That is GitHub. <laughs> oh, I don't have a choice. GitHub. <laughs> But in terms of sharing, like, uh, well, because I do product management and stuff, so eventually I'm managing Scrum teams. Um, I, I usually use Jira for the tasks and seeing the, the performance of the team. Are they pushing in or putting out of the, of the this is me trying, the list of tasks mm-hmm. according to what I would like them to do and how much time they're taking on tasks. Yeah. And how yeah, and, and how's it been working? Beasts of No Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen the movie. Yeah, it had Idris Elba in it. Yeah. Uh, wow, you forgot Idris Elba. <laughs> Dude, I'm not really good at this stuff. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. You should watch it. So that I cry. You don't like crying. I think it depends. I didn't cry, but I, I, it was a sad movie. But I don't really, think really I cried. Sad. So I'm very much in touch with my emotions. I enjoy crying. It's therapeutic. Don't judge me. Did you finish what you do on your weekend? You said you sit on, so do you spend the whole weekend on the couch? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm happy she mentioned something about uh, uh working out because I think a lot of us invest a lot of time in our uh growing uh, in terms of our career mentally. So we'd read, we do, but yeah, we, we don't give a crap. We eat whatever we want. I'm not to say that. You see. In the podcast. No, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <but> don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So we eat what we want. <laughs> I go to the gym. I try to go to the gym every day. We were supposed to be playing football every Monday. I don't know what happened. That is a long story. You know, when you start talking about money in a group setup, uh-uh, 
people get touchy. People get, I don't know what it is. Like, can we please normalize talking about money yeah. in this country called Zambia? Normalize paying back money. Whoever owe money, I'll pay you back. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't like giving people money. It just gets, like, the conversation gets weird. Anyway, we'll have the conversation after the show. Yeah. Cynthia, I was about to ask, the tools I use, are they free? Well, Jira has a free tier. If, if, you are, if you're going to have less than 10 people using it, GitHub, we all know, is absolutely, absolutely free. free. <laughs> you can even have private uh, repos so no one will see your code base. Yay. Let's also normalize sharing code bases. Don't be ashamed of your code. We all write bad code. It's not, it's not that we're ashamed. Let me speak for myself because I know I'm a culprit at not sharing what is on my GitHub. Mm-hmm. Because I'm working on something that I feel I am not yet ready to share, but eventually I will share. You should listen to the episode we had City, which dropped some gems on this kind of I know. behavior. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. I will listen to it mm-hmm. and I'll personally call City. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yes. So most of them are free. Even there are some people who use Bitbucket. It's free. Mm-hmm. There's GitLab. Uh, though here, I've met very few people actually using GitLab. Uh, yeah. Uh, personally, uh, for that, I'm using uh Git Kraken. Oh yeah, then there's Git Kraken. Mm-hmm. For like my. Anyway, source code management. But it's still pushing into GitHub. So, strange, I'm not using the GitHub client for it. But I think that's something that I use quite a lot and I want to try something new. And I recently um, got, um, what is this? Uh, I'm in the beta program for the GitHub Android app. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can, you know what? Can we talk about how um, there's so much that's done to make sure that you carry your work home. If it's not like your <laughs> laptop, it's on your phone. Your yeah. Slack notifications. Do you know there are people who are afraid of email notifications, especially yeah. during a weekend or after yeah. work hours? Like, I saw this tweet about someone who was standing in a group of people, and then, I don't know if you guys use Slack for communication. Yeah, we do sometimes. They heard a Slack uh, notification sound, then thought it was them, and they were terrified. Like, do you know, that's crazy. For me, I am going to look on the positive side. If I can, um, I'm running out of time. I have tight schedules. It will yeah. enable me to still do my work on my phone. If at any point in time I'm not near my laptop. Except the other thing is how I wish it was going together with uh, our country's acceptance of remote work. Yeah, yeah, I, I do you think this country doesn't, doesn't is not favoring remote work? Do you mean like local companies or? Mm. Mm. I mean, the public sector and local companies, most of them don't. I yeah, because for me, I'm like, okay, if I can still do, if I'm not having physical meetings with anybody, and the work I have, I can still do in the confines of my home, in my pajamas, with my coffee and my beggar and whatever makes me comfortable whilst I'm working, and I'm still being productive, why do you need to look at me from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the office? I like organizing that. I'll del- uh, I think focus on deliverables. 
because a lot of companies do not focus on delivery. But as long as you show up, you yeah. can be on Facebook the whole day. As long as I am seeing you. <laughs> That's what makes our public service delivery very poor. Don't you feel like that's kind of tied into like culture also? Like, haven't you ever been in a situation where someone like is they enjoy seeing you, uh, just enjoy seeing you right there, even if you're not actually doing anything. <laughs> like they weird. hate the idea of you going at, home, at even least, if yeah, it's the same yeah, effect. Yeah, at, at least mix it up. Allow me to work at least two days in a week remotely, and three days you look at me all you can. Shall, if it has to do with no team building, we shall chat, we shall connect. But at least give me even just two days in a week that I am in my most comfortable environment, which will actually make me even be more productive. <laughs> and the scenario of food that is my best productive scenario. When you're not sitting down with someone staring at you. Yes, yeah. in my pajamas, my hair is shaggy, and I'm having. But the- you know, do you guys have like an open plan kind of setup at the office? Yeah, we do. Does, does that work well or is it something that you feel like hasn't? I think it works well for us because I think we're a global organization. So I think there's a lot of lessons that we've learned across the country. And it's an organization that has been around for a while. So I think it works quite effectively. Hmm. But going, coming back to our point just before I forget uh, on being able to work from home. Mm-hmm. I've realized it's, it's a very steep slope because one aspect is I find myself sometimes like I'm working from home on a Monday. I start work at 8. Yeah. Look at my phone, it's 20. It's 8 in the night. <laughs> okay, of course, I've been moving up and down, but I've been working throughout the, the day. So I overwork sometimes. So it's about also maybe growing to find that balance in life. That's why he was terrified, I think, to see the Slack notification because sometimes, especially as a young person, uh, when I started my job, I wanted to prove myself. So I would work. And I'd, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd reply to my email as fast as I can. I'll ensure all my tasks are done. I never went home to all oh, my to-do list was was, was ticked. Sick, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's about growing and finding that balance between your work and your life, and understanding the same. Uh, if you are too productive at some point, your productivity goes down if you do not also focus on other things because you get frustrated by like your, work. your mental health. For me, Chip. my suggestion works out well. Two days. Two days. Three days. I'm in the office. It depends what type of job you do. Hmm. But I think in our line of work, it's only in fair. Do you work over weekends? No. no. How? What do you like mean? Like, you, you don't have the work you take home with you? Because uh, things like uh, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft 365 allows you to work remotely anyway, so you can you have all your material resources and you guys who do a lot of IT. No, it's, it's a personal you, choice. Once you just carry your laptop home. No, no, it's a personal choice. It's a personal choice. Like for me, once I get off work on Friday, I do not want to even, because we have, we also use Telegram for support yeah. for our clients. I don't look at it until Monday morning. I was that guy that worked. Um, I, I, it's not really that I wanted to prove myself. I just wanted to deliver that project as soon as possible because I needed to jump to something else. You know, when you've been yeah. doing something for so long, 
and you just want it to end so you can move on to something new. Yeah. I was in the office by 6.30, leaving the office at 20 every day. Saturday, I'd be in the office till lunch, proceed to do community activities. Sunday, you know, you have errands that are running. Eventually, you, you will do some sort of work. Yeah. Monday, you're in the same routine, crashed badly. And then adopted Cynthia's, Cynthia's uh, yeah, burnout structure. Burnout. We had a conversation around it. Oh. We did have a conversation around it. But it's interesting. Uh, as much as the tools are allowing us to do all this remote work, it just means our bosses can just hound us whenever no, they feel like yeah. they can. It also comes back to you really setting boundaries to say, you know what, this is my time. Going, back, going back to our culture. Yeah, and, and it also depends what type of bosses you have. Depends what type of boss you have. Yeah. And setting boundaries can sometimes be insulting. Yes. <laughs> do you understand that there are people who you can't effectively yeah. communicate? No matter <laughs> how much you try. For them, to do this. They're supposed to do it. Doesn't it also still come back to when you're actually agreeing on your on your contract as you're joining the company? Those are things you also have to ask to say, my friends, if you're telling me I'm not working on Saturday and Sunday, it should be strictly only a huge emergency. But I should have my weekend. I'm not saying you're wrong. I agree with you absolutely. But I'm just talking about the reality on the ground. Let's yes. make an episode on this. Please. I have strategic people to, to invite even. I think that were very interesting. You look like you just shot yourself in the foot. Oh, no. Okay. No, no, I'm down. Like I said, I agree with you. It would just be very insightful. But I'll tell you that the reality on the ground is not... It's, it's a bit different. The, I mean... I see some contracts being breached on a daily basis. Yeah. But uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's lack of information. You know, I hear Ministry of Labor is really, really strict about contractual violations. Yeah. yeah. So, like, people rarely do that because they're afraid they'll lose their jobs and maybe that's their only source of income. Yeah. Breadwinners and so on and so forth. And then I was, re- I was watching a YouTube video yesterday about American student debt and how it's really it's really difficult to like quit your job with that huge amount of debt that you have over your over your shoulder. It's crazy. It's real. But some well, most people do. I don't know. I don't know if it's been implemented yet. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. It has. Some people are paying back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know about CB, but Unza. Yes. I have a few friends who are paying back. For context, uh, UNSA and CBU are the two biggest public universities in Zambia. And um, before, um, students were awarded what are called bursaries uh, so that they can uh, be supported throughout university life. A few years ago, the government, well, technically, it was a student loan. <laughs> yes. But it was it structured in such a way that people weren't paying back. And I think maybe it was an infrastructural thing. But a few years ago, the government decided that people needed to start paying back loans. And I think they set up period, I think from, is it 2003, 2007? No, I don't know. So for as long as you start receiving student loans in 2006, you are obliged to pay back. So I think people in, I don't think people in the public sector are paying back now because it's easier for them to remit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just trickling down into the private sector and uh, non-profits as well. But I think it's hard, especially for, for a lot of people who 
as, as straight from school, you're not finding a very good job in most instances. Mm-hmm. So you're finding a job that pays you maybe if it's a average paying job, maybe five thousand uh, a month, and they're getting two thousand from that. You're not investing in anything. Also, mm. they it's not a fixed amount. I think it's a it's percentage, a percentage. Of how much how much you earn. Oh, uh, isn't it? It's not a fixed amount. Okay, I'm not sure, but I, I thought it was a percentage of how much you earn. Okay, we'll find out, and then we can we can we can give out some information. And if there's incentive, if you pay back everything within a particular period of time, mm. you pay less. Hmm. It's only hundred k though. Hey, if you have hundred k, like <laughs> <laughs> if you're strategic, <laughs> and suddenly you find yourself, uh, you know, with. Uh, a hundred k somewhere, somewhere lying around. I mean, you give it back to BC. Give it back. Mm, give it that's, back. That's a tough one. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of caught in between. I don't know how to feel about it, but hey, when you look at the fine print, they did tell you it's a loan, so it becomes a bit tricky. But given the environment that a lot of us are in, I don't think it's very healthy. Because um, how do you invest in yourself and how do you grow? Because you you're still you have that burden on you. No, that and you're just young. You see, you're in your career that you still thinking. have to pin off. <laughs> okay, I've got one last thing. Um, feedback from yeah. all the schools that the curriculum has been through. Like we talked about Katete, we talked about like uh, I think it's Livala, right? Where no, Lapula. Lapula, uh, where they're growing tomatoes. Oh no, that's Kablonga boys. That's Kablonga boys. Yeah. Are there any other like um, good success stories? Yeah. Uh, we have a number of them. So the program has been running since 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been running for a while now. And um, when the fourth phase now is, that's what we're calling it, Connecting Classrooms 4. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of success stories around it. Uh, just from uh, being able to move Lusaka from number 7, 8 uh, in terms of performance to number 3, I think there's been one of the, uh, the, one of the major success stories. Uh, that a whole province, I think, there's been improvement in uh, in performance. I'm not saying it's all attributed to the, to our work that we've done as British Council, but I think uh, we have made uh, we've contributed to that. Uh, we've also had uh, made a lot of progress in terms of uh, partnering schools. I think almost every quarter of the year, mm-hmm. there's a UK school coming into Zambia or a Zambian group of schools going to the UK uh, for the exchange visit, and I think them uh, being able to learn from that. Uh, from the experience that they have, I think the exposure that the teachers get is very important, not just the sharing of knowledge, but I think both reciprocal visit, the exposure that they get. Because uh, one, one aspect of our program is called uh, Global Citizens. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's very practical for someone to teach global citizenship to a child if the person is not exposed themselves. So I think that exposure, uh, not just in terms of the exchange visit, as well as just the platform that we have, the school's online platform, it helps teachers get exposed to new material, new forms of teaching, uh, as well as they're able to offer students resources that they can utilize at any point. So I think the program itself has been a, a, a huge success and it's been growing. Uh, a lot of case studies I can share with you if you want, but a handful. Very documented, by the way. Do you want to lend a few tips after this? I can give you a template. Well, I'm the web Yeah, but I think success stories it's uh, a very uh, important way. I think you also just gain interest from not just donors, but also the general public to, I think, engage and participate in whatever program that you're running. Speaking of donors, this year, Cynthia, we want people to be able to support the podcast. 
in what way? <laughs> Cynthia will be the face of our campaign. Okay, that looks yes. Why me? You are the one with the people skills. Clearly, Elias and I don't have any people skills. Maybe Daniel, but I, I don't think so. I think you do. No. You say they're downgrading their own. No. Just want to shift the work. No, come on, <laughs> come on. That's not the case. Cynthia, you do better at people relations than all of us. Was a case study. Yes. She Didn't. gets a lot of uh, uh, voice notes while the podcast itself has never received one. She has an iconic laugh. Maybe that's why. Yes, it's my laugh. We should use the iconic laugh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think my, my... So this is the funny thing. When I do my natural laugh, people say it's, it incites love. <laughs> is it this laugh? <laughs> No, no. I, I really want to know what kind of uh, uh, what, no, what thought process went into this analysis. How does it incite violence? Apparently, yes. you know the people who have that laugh. Uh, you know how emphasis would carry more weight if I want to use the vernacular language. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that laugh is a yeah, chikukole kind. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I see. I, I don't know if you translate for. Uh, I don't know how to translate that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> but apparently there are these laughs when, when when one laughs, it's like they are mocking you. And I think that's the closest. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's the closest like description. It, it mocks you. So, well, several people have been telling me that my natural laugh actually sounds like I'm mocking. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me that if I was telling a joke and you laugh like that, I would misinterpret it and think, <laughs> you're not really laughing at my joke. Probably laughing at you're me. You're laughing at that's me. damn joke. <laughs> Now I understand so, why it would incite violence. So now I've been trying to reduce it, but eventually it pops up. I mean, that's what most of the listeners like. So stick to my... And imagine if you could record the laugh, then every time in the episode when someone says a joke, you can pay it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You just don't do that. <laughs> I strategically <laughs> remain quiet so we could capture the full essence of the laugh. Um, so in terms of support, um, basically to continue uh, creating all this awesome content, we need your help. Uh, we need you guys to continue giving us feedback. Um, if I think soon we'll launch our little portal where you can donate. Uh, I think the minimum is, I'll confirm, the minimum okay. in an episode. <clears throat> but people should be able to donate to the podcast and help us keep going. Okay. Quasi. Quasi even we've had about two articles that people have written about podcasts they they, they listen to both local and, and international, yeah. International yeah. they've mentioned as amongst their top five and ten. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we really need to continue, I guess. Yeah, we've been bootstrapping. Quite a lot. So we, we want to sort of shift from that. So dear donors, <coughs> as Mukoma said, it seems I capture your attention more. 
you want to continue listening <laughs> to my love. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is, folks. <laughs> That's the end of the show. <laughs> You know what? I really miss Elias, and he couldn't be here today. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure he'll be here uh, on the next recording. I, I am so happy that we actually had this conversation because there's a lot of we have a lot of conversations around community work, mm-hmm. and like even in the previous episode, we talked about the challenges that community organizers are, are having. And um, in terms of leadership, I feel like there's a lot that we could learn from uh, the Connecting Classrooms project because even community organizers are people yeah. too that need this sort of like. Um, leadership okay. skills yeah like leadership yeah. skills that allow them to then be more effective in the way they deliver some of the, the some of some of the material that we have because it's really useful material and it's really uh, material that can push a lot of people so how to get these people to understand how to deliver them so people can appreciate them and use them and eventually become sort of well, not global citizens per se, yeah. but just glo- global ambassadors within their communities and they can transfer these skills and so on yeah. and so forth. I sort of integrate critical thinking in how they're also de- de- delivering the, the materials as well and also helping maybe their participants sort of, you know, grasp that aspect. So can anyone call uh, you or the British Council to find out more about the program? How does it work for schools? Okay. Like, do you identify them and then you zoom down there, or do people apply? Uh, so, uh, we work in partnership with the Ministry of uh, General Education. So, the ones, uh, so would say, we want to work in Wapola, then the ones that that recommend the schools we work with, because okay. I think uh, it's a it's a uh, a three day to four, uh, four day training, then we'll go for another day. So, I should say it's also a week training. So getting teachers and head teachers out of a school for a week, I think it's, it's a lot of time for them to be away from their pupils. So we work with the ministry so that we ensure that we, we go at the right time. But it doesn't limit uh, those that are just interested in the program can actually just visit our website. The school's online platform is open for anybody to sign up and uh, take courses online. Then you can get oh, really? a certified. So even I can sign up and yeah. take courses? Yes. Oh, great. We'll add this so to it's uh, schools online. Schools. Yes. Okay, so that's connecting classroom. Yes. Also, you visit the British Council website and go to Education and Society. You find the connecting classrooms. More information on connecting classrooms there. I'm definitely going to sign up for one course. Yeah, a handful. And that will be a success story. Believe me. (laughs) (coughs) I need to become famous. You know, you need to write more articles about me. Well, I have a blessed where okay now let me go Christian now. Okay. <laughs> it's not what I was asking for. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, so it seems most people I have written articles about have been sort of noticed by recruiters. Mm-hmm. So two of the ladies that I actually had written about actually got jobs. Recruiters actually connected with them because of the articles I wrote. So maybe yeah, that is another so, if I write about you, who knows? You know, just saying. <laughs> I wish you just said that off mic so this resource can only be for me. You know? Was it on? No, now everyone asks you to write about them. Then opportunities will become limited. Oh, wow. I am, I am mimicking the classic stereotype that we have in limiting opportunities for others. Put down. Yes. <sighs> on that note... <laughs> 
if you want to, it's if, good. There's some, uh, if, you know, I think you've seen it, so I think it's a good thing. It's a learning curve. This is me now inciting <laughs> If you want to get in touch with us, um, we are at CodecastZM on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Codecast Zambia on LinkedIn. Uh, sour underscore bones on Twitter. Uh, I think everything of mine is in my bio. Well, it'll lead you everywhere. It's like a rabbit hole. Did I tell you I launched my own personal website recently? Bravo. Uh, that's very sarcastic, Cynthia. You're not saying it with a smile on your face. <coughs> Bravo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can leave us a voice message. Um, so with every link that we post... It will list all the episodes we've done with the most latest one at the top with a list of all the different platforms where you can listen to the show from. We are available on so many platforms, including the major ones, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Breaker, Stitcher, and them. Scroll down and you will see a little bubble that says send a voice message. Send us that message of encouragement. Any message you want to send to Cynthia, just send it directly to the podcast. <laughs> Would be very happy. No. Huh? Yes. No. I need to see which are slow first. Okay. Okay. The ones that are specific. What if the person wants to be heard on the podcast, but they want to say something to you? I feel it's inappropriate. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Do you want to tell us how people can reach the British Council and you specifically? After providing so many gems, <laughs> okay, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ZM British or British Council Zambia. Uh, you can also follow um, Southern Africa Arts if you are a creative and you want to connect to a wider network ac- across Sub-Saharan Africa, and also just want to see the opportunities that are going or going around in terms of what programs you can uh, get involved in what type of activities are going on around in different countries across Sub-Saharan Africa, as well as the opportunities that we have for creatives and artists as British Council. Uh, my personal, <coughs> excuse me, personal uh, handle is uh, Adbud, that is at A-D-M-U-U-D-A underscore on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Say that again. Adbud, that's A-D-M-U-U-D-A. Underscore. Okay. Where is the login on this thing? Where is the sign up? Okay, we have no idea what we're going to start. Yeah. So for Are we, are we, do we follow each other on Instagram? No. Oh, you're missing out on great content. From you? Yes. 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 <laughs> a dog picture that I posted yesterday. You should go and check. Find me on Instagram and check. No. Ah, sort yourself. Like I I'm said, you're missing out. Right you're missing out on good content. So, on that note, I've given you homework. Okay, it's been a great show. Uh, we were talking to Wumba, who's from the British Council, and we were talking about a lot of things. Technically, we talked about community, uh, how we can use some of the 
uh, concepts from the Connecting Classrooms uh, project and kind of incorporate them in our daily lives and see how we can we can we can improve our skills and improve our communication with others and so on and so forth. And if you've made it all the way through to the end, thank you very much. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the feedback and catch you on the next episode. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. You've been listening to Codecast Zambia brought to you by Agora Code. Visit agoracode.community for more information or like us on Facebook. That's at Code Agora. We're on Twitter too, at Code Agora. 